This is Joseph Carlson, and this is episode 58 of Gaming with Grief. I'm calling this episode, uh, well, it's just called The Last of Us 2 Spoiler Cast because that's what it is. No, no funny name or anything like that. It's just called The Last of Us 2 Spoiler Cast. You'll have to excuse the noise. My dog just literally dropped a bone in the den, and now she's going to sleep on her bed uh, and probably be insanely loud. Uh, while I'm doing this, but I love her very much, and I'm not going to kick her out of the room. Uh, I'm going to be talking all about The Last of Us Part 1, the original game that came out in 2013 on the PlayStation. I'm going to be talking about all about The Last of Us Part 2, which came out this year uh, for the PlayStation 4. Um, there's going to be full spoilers because there's flashbacks to the very first game. So that game, uh, you know, they, they connect. There's uh, things that the themes obviously connect. So I'm going to spoil both games. So if you don't want either game spoiled, uh, don't listen to my spoiler cast, I guess. Uh, I guess that's my only warning. Do not listen to this. If you do not care or haven't beaten The Last of Us Part 1 or Part 2 yet, I will be spoiling both games. This will probably be a very long episode. Uh, yeah. So just to get into the intro of the show, uh, this episode will hit Monday morning at uh, 7 a.m., uh, at my website, which is www.gamingwithgrief.com. Go there, leave a comment below the video. Uh, let me know what you think. Uh, let me know what I can improve, stuff like that. If you want to drop me an email, do, do that at gwgpodfellows at gmail.com. That's gwgpodfellows at gmail.com. Or I'm on iTunes. You can go there, like the show, subscribe. Uh, let me know what you think. Um, I'm only 58 episodes into this uh, solo podcast, so I'm still trying to find my voice, but let me know what I can improve. Maybe leave a rating, you know, be honest, but leave me a rating down below. Let me know what you think. Uh, yeah, I think that's about it. So again, uh, without overly without overly going over this, I'm going to spoil The Last Was Part 1 that came out in 2013 and The Last Was Part 2 that came out this year. Uh, so yeah. So let's get into it. So obviously The Last of Part 2 is the second part to The Last of Us. Um, the game doesn't really pick up exactly where the first game left off. It's been about five years. There was Ellie and Joel who were the main characters in the first game. Ellie is now, uh, she was 14 I believe in the first game from what I can tell from reading around and listening to other reviews and things. Now she's 19 uh in one of the dlcs left behind uh we discovered that ellie is gay she's a gay woman so she falls in love with the last of us part two she's in love with someone named dina uh they share a kiss at like a um like kind of a barn party like a celebration and uh the game picks up the next day uh and they have to go on patrol because like the last of us the cordyceps are still around they haven't uh, gone away so this kind of plunges them into a patrol route, uh, kind of out looking for clearing uh, the cordyceps, the clickers, and the infected, and getting uh, supplies and kind of coming back to Jackson, Wyoming, which is where they're at. It was at the end of the first game, and now this is where they call home. Her and uh, Joel and all the other people, Jesse is Dina's ex-boyfriend who is in the game. Uh, you're all going on a patrol together. Um, and that's kind of where the game picks up. Uh, and, um, there's a new faction introduced very early in the game, uh, known as the WLF, the Washington Liberation Front, or the Wolves, as they're later been known to be called. They are also looking for someone. They keep saying him. Uh, we kind of cut back and forth between, uh, you and your patrol, Joel, Joel and his brother, Tommy are uh, kind of on patrol in the area uh you play as joel a little bit not much um but then you mostly you play as ellie uh there's many cutscenes with you and dina on your patrol because you've been grouped together uh and then you end up uh kind of in a barn uh not a barn i would say more more of like a i don't know like an old building that has been converted into a pot uh farm they're growing pot underground uh, some of the pot has died. They find some pot that is very much alive. They smoke a joint. Uh, they get to know each other. They talk about the kiss. 
And my only minor criticism of this, it seems like in a lot of games that uh, two people have to smoke a joint to really let each other know how they feel about each other. And hey, I'm the first one to admit, someone who's going to therapy that's dealing with several issues in his life, it is very difficult to open up to people and tell them how you really feel about them. But I think at this point, that's almost a trope of let's smoke a joint and really talk instead of two people just really talking. And again, it's very hard, I know, but I would really like a refreshing thing where people just sit and talk and it isn't awkward or a flashback or anything, you know, I don't know. But anyway, it, it, but it is a very tender scene. They smoke a joint. Uh, they have sex. Uh, they talk about the kiss they had, which I guess leads them actually into having sex. So um, it, it's great to see they're deeply in love with each other. Uh, and then one of their other people that I mentioned, Jesse, Dina's ex-boyfriend, uh, finds out where they're at, comes to them and says that Joel and his brother Tommy haven't come back from their patrols. So Dina and Ellie uh, go out to try to find him. Uh, we then cut to uh, Abby, who is a member of the Wolves, uh, and her, um, I guess, squad mate, friend, Owen, looking, finding Jackson, Wyoming, seeing the settlement. They have power. It's heavily fortified. Uh, and they say, do you think he's there? Uh, at this point, I automatically imagine that it was Joel that they were talking about. Uh, and uh, what happens is a storm comes, uh, infected come, because Abby decides to go alone and kind of uh, follow some tracks. They think they know where Joel and Tommy are held up. There's a lodge near the settlement and she's going to go check it out she goes alone owen goes back to where he uh where the base was with the other wolves abby finds uh tommy and jesse kind of uh in the wilderness there's an, a bunch of infected around them running after them it's a big chase they barely get out abby tells them to come with her they follow her they make it back to the camp with uh abby's wolves who are tracking joel but of course joel doesn't know this uh they all come into the room together and uh everybody gets very quiet joel and his brother introduce themselves uh and as as soon as they introduce themselves all the members of the wolves i believe there's five of them they all turn and look at tommy and joel and joel says it all looks like you guys know us and uh one of them said that's because we do uh they shoot tommy in the leg they shoot joel in the leg uh, they hold Joel down, and Joel gives some pithy speech about, you know, just tell me whatever speech you're going to tell me, and then make this quick. And Abby goes over to a golf bag, grabs a golf club out of it, walks up to him and says, you don't get to make this quick. Starts beating him with the golf club. Uh, this gets cut as soon as she makes the first strike in his head to a flashback of her and her father when she was very young. Um basically uh they're in the wilderness i'll, I'll cut into this because otherwise this will be like a seven hour podcast basically her and her father in the woods they make their way back to the medical clinic saint mary's i believe in um it wasn't wyoming i'm trying to think of the state it was in a state <laughs> i get the state but basically it was the place where the end of the first game it was the conclusion of the first game where ellie was taken to have the surgery on her to see if there was going to be a cure for the cordyceps uh, they had to basically remove her brain because she had an abnormality in her brain uh, that said, you know, this might be the cure. There's all these notes that doctors have written after they got a scan of her brain. Uh, this might be the cure, but we have to take her brain out. It will probably kill her. Uh, so Abby's father was a doctor that was going to perform the surgery. And again, I said it was going to spoil the end of The Last of Us Part 1. At the end of The Last of Us Part 2, you don't have to – or I'm sorry, at the end of The Last of Us Part 1 – <clears throat> excuse me, you don't have to kill every doctor there, but you have to kill one doctor to make the other ones drop their weapons or drop the scalpels they're using as weapons and go to the wall and let you take Ellie out of the facility. The one doctor you kill is Abby's father. So it flashes back to her discovering that her father has been shot, that Joel's left Ellie, uh, taken Ellie and left uh, the medical facility, St. Mary's, and uh, they're in the wind. And so basically there's several cuts now of... Um, I don't think it's now, but anyway, throughout the game, there are several cutbacks of Abby going through training, just focusing on training to hunt Joel down. Then it comes the fact that she has a lead and they go after Joel, which brings us to this moment in the game. She's beating Joel with a golf club and Ellie and uh, Dina and Jesse have gone off 
to find uh, where Joel and Tommy are because, again, they haven't come back from their patrols. Uh, since the lodge is near where they were staying, uh, Ellie happens to um, go to the lodge and find Joel being beaten. She gets ambushed. They hold her down in the same room that they're beating Joel to death. She begs them not to kill Joel. Abby does it anyway. She hits him one last time with the golf club. He dies. But all the other wolves say, what should we do with the other two? Because Tommy and Ellie are still there. And Abby says, they weren't a part of this. We need to let. We need to leave. We need to let them go. Let's get out of here. And so what that does is set, uh, as I said in yesterday, or last week's episode, that you know the, the director said this whole um, game is a game about revenge. And pretty much that's what this is about. So that obviously sets Ellie off, even though she has very mixed feelings about Joel. And we discovered through flashbacks that she knows the extent of what, have, what would have happened to her at St. Mary's. She breaks into the facility a few years later, uh, finds a tape recorder and the notes of her brain scan, and the doctor's talking about them possibly finding a cure. Joel finds her there because she broke off in this flashback. He didn't know where she was at. Uh, they find each other. And he finally tells you the truth, that if they would have done the surgery, it would have killed her, and he couldn't allow that to happen because, uh, you know, in the first game, he lost his daughter, Sarah, and he didn't want that to happen again. Um, so, yeah, so Ellie storms off. They obviously have a fractured relationship because she had the possibility to restore humanity, and Joel pretty much didn't give her a choice and saved her from her possibly dying you know, they said they were going to remove a chunk of her brain. It probably would have killed her. Long story short, you flash to the, to the present day now. Ellie is now on a revenge mission to go after Abby. And they find out that the Wolves, the WLF, is in Washington State. Which, um, if you guys know this podcast or follow this podcast, I live in Washington State. So it's very interesting to see Ellie and Dina. Uh, because Tommy actually sets off on, before them and says, I'm going to do this myself. I want to go after the people that killed Joel. Uh, you know, don't stop me. He basically tries to get Ellie into it, and, and he says, well, you know, let me talk to my wife. She runs this place. Give me a day. Maybe I'll get more people. Well, he goes off alone by himself because that's the kind of person Tommy is. Uh, and then Ellie and Dina follow her, and we basically go into the game tracking Abby down through three days in Seattle. And uh, the game is broken up into several chapters, we'll say. So Seattle Day 1, Seattle Day 2, and Seattle Day 3. Ellie gets closer and closer to finding Dina. There's a lot of violence, a lot of people that I've read reviews and public opinion about. Uh, people have a lot of problem with the violence of the game. And I think at this point, I'm okay with the violence of the game. Uh, and it, I think also, uh, well, I'll, get, I'll wait till the end to get you know, over that impression that I was going to just bring up. But uh, So she's basically going to revenge the person that killed Joel, she's going after Abby. All the hints and things she finds is just one thing to find Abby. There's cut scenes with her stabbing people in the throat, uh, choking out, uh, um, uh, I'm not going to say civilians, choking out uh, WLF members and killing them. She also uh, kills these people called the Seraphites, which is a religious order that's kind of come up in Seattle. Um, she goes after them. They have dogs they send after you. You can kill the dogs. You can kill them. It's very violent. Uh, they yell each other's name when you kill them. Uh, I've burned some of them alive uh, with uh, model off cocktails. Uh, and again, a lot of people online um, didn't really like the violence of the game. They thought it was too much. Um, and I, I do understand where people are coming from that maybe they didn't need to show everything. There's cutscenes where you stab people, like I said, in the throat. Then maybe you think, well, I probably could have just knocked them out. Um, but, uh, you're kind of following in her line of revenge that, you know, kind of a scorched earth, earth, uh, mentality that all these people must go. Um, whatever you feel about that, again, I'll get to that at the end. Uh, so you get to day three in Seattle. She, her and, uh, Dina are hiding out in a, um, in a theater in Seattle, which again, even though it is a burned out, disgusting version of Seattle, uh, a lot of things are overgrown. Nature has taken over things. Uh, flooding, obviously, in the area has eroded roads. Um, 
the they did a good job i think representing i mean obviously i don't live in seattle but i uh, have worked there a lot and i've been up to seattle a lot it's amazing how they've changed the topography uh to kind of have nature take over and stuff it was a really good kind of implementation of that i thought it was it was an interesting take on seattle and i'm glad to see anything in the northwest get love um you know in a game uh, Days Gone did Oregon. So, th- it, I don't know. It was really good. So, uh, the the interesting thing is um, Dina's ex, Jesse, uh, comes to find you. Um, I want to say in day two. Maybe it's the beginning of day three. And he says, I wouldn't let you do this alone. If you watched any of the marketing material for the game, they recut the game and made that be Joel uh, to throw people off the scent that Joel has now died and I think it was brilliant. And now that I'm doing a spoiler cast, I can talk about it. I think it's great. Some websites actually reported that there was a spoiler with Joel and that, you know, the marketing threw people off. And I think that in itself was a spoiler. I wish they would have said, you know, been very cryptic and said, this is how Naughty Dog pulled off this scene. But like Kotaku wrote this big article about, you know, here's how the marketing of The Last of Us 2 changed the game. And I think that was a little bit, hmm. I don't know. It, it's kind of messed up. You know, you. If people are buying the game late or coming to it late and, you know, they want to stay up on the news, any kind of news, uh, gaming news, and they're going to see that and go, oh, you know, they're probably going to be able to put two and two together. Not only I think it, it this comes up, I think, with big games, but like if I go to Reddit, uh, which you, whatever you want to say for Reddit, when they do spoilers, they blur the image out and say spoilers for Game of Thrones. So you can be like, OK, well, I've seen all Game of Thrones. I can click on this. Is it a meme? What is this? Uh, They do the same thing if it's not safe for work. Uh, I wish YouTube would do something similar where it's like Last of Us spoiler redacted, blurred out. Like, oh, that's weird. Or you could say, all right, I've, uh, you know, I've I've played all of The Last of Us 2. I can click on this link. It doesn't, it's not going to bother me. I'm not going to be spoiled. Um, But yeah, there's just in broad things on YouTube. Watch this, you know, watch Joel die. And you're like, well, cool. I guess that's ruined. Um... You know, and I get spoiler culture. Some people don't care. Um, I don't know if there's a way to filter YouTube to say, hey, I don't I don't want to see this content. I don't think you can. I wish people could. Um, anyway, back to the game. So uh, Jesse is there helping uh, Ellie find Tommy, who went off on their own, because they are trying to find Abby, but they're trying to get to Tommy first. They don't want him to be, um, you know, they don't want him to be alone. And they find out Dina admits to Ellie that she is pregnant. So she missed this before Jesse comes. When Jesse comes, it seems like they have like a quiet heart to heart. I don't think Jesse is jealous. It's his ex, obviously, but she's pregnant, doesn't know what to do. Um, and uh, it is an interesting relationship between the three of them. I've had a lo- I've listened to a lot of spoiler casts, read a lot of articles online. I actually do like that it is a complex relationship between a man that finds out his ex is pregnant and like the new love interest. Uh, that is an interesting idea, um, and it was done really well. All the acting was really well. It was superb, um, and it's interesting. So what what happens is after Jesse finds out that Dean is pregnant, he says, I still won't let you do this alone, but we just have to go get Tommy and get Abby, and then we're gone. Uh, we got to go back home to Jackson. It's safer there. Uh, Dina is actually very sick. Uh, she's pregnant and sick. So... Um, you know, fair enough. Ellie agrees, fair enough. Um, as they're deciding to to find Tommy, Ellie goes off on her own and uh, gets in a big shootout, goes to the Seattle Aquarium, which is cool because you just see the, you know, kind of Pike Place Market, see the Ferris wheel. That was really neat. Uh, breaks into facility. We've seen several flashbacks before this of Abby going there with Owen when they were in training. Owen loves the aquarium and it's quiet there. So he likes to go there to relax and rest and kind of be away. And you kind of get the feeling that Owen, who I mentioned was in the beginning of the game with Abby, he is uh, kind of disenfranchised and bored uh, with the wolves. Not really bored, but he's he's tired. You know, he, he tells Abby a story uh, about... Um, well, I'll get to that later. So Ellie goes to the aquarium, uh, is trying to find Abby... Finds Owen and his girlfriend, uh, Mel. I think it's Mel. He finds Mel there. Um, and uh, they're talking. Owen obviously won't give up where Abby is. 
Um, and Mel won't either. They get into a tussle. Ellie shoots Owen, and she stabs uh, Mel in the throat. She goes to search Mel and finds out that Mel is uh, probably about eight months pregnant. So she kind of goes into shock. They, it's a really good scene where she's very distraught. The music chains, you hear her breathing heavily. She's kind of having a panic attack. And then someone puts her hand on her shoulder. She pulls her gun, and it's Tommy. Uh, he has come to the same place. He's kind of come to the same conclusion. And they realize they both have to get out of there. So they get out of there. And this is when they have the, the discussion back at the theater. Okay, I've, uh, you know, we have to go. You know, Tommy's back. Um, Dean is sick. She needs medical attention and, uh, in Wyoming. Uh, we can go back. Uh, we have a settlement there. Let's just uh, go, right? As they're leaving, they hear, uh, I think uh, Ellie's napping. We hear a tussle. She goes out. Uh, Jesse goes out with her. Jesse gets shot in the face. He falls down dead. Um, and Tommy gets shot in the back, near the head, but not shot in the head. And Abby is there. She has discovered that, you know, because it's been probably 12 hours, you know, they went to sleep and all this stuff, that she says that you've killed all my friends. Uh, I let you live and you've wasted it. Now the story is a flashback and you play as Abby now. And it says Seattle Day One. So you kind of roll back the clock when you're playing as Elliot with Seattle Day One, Seattle Day Two, Seattle Day Three. And now they roll a clock back to Seattle Day One. And you see it from the Wolves' perspective. You see her squad. It's after Jackson, Wyoming. So they've already had their revenge on Joel. He is dead. They've let Tommy go. They let Ellie go. And it shows the Wolves trying to deal with the Seraphites, which is a religious order that is um, in the area that they communicate through whistles. Uh, they don't like them. Obviously, uh, letters you find in the world show that there's been a truce, but it seems from the letters that the wolves are the ones that always break the truce and start shooting at the Seraphites. So the Seraphites defend themselves, and they keep talking about their island. And what they've done in the city of Seattle is they've carved out through erosion. Basically, the area of the Space Needle is now almost an island. It's cut off from the mainland, and they're living near the Space Needle kind of in this weird colonial area with huts um, and um, you know, like kind of, uh, you know, um, wood buildings, kind of a, you know, a settler's life as it were. Uh, so long story short, since we cut back to Abby, you basically take her journey with the wolves trying to find, uh, trying to just take out the scars and secure the area because they keep hearing that the scars are going to move up and that they're hostile. Um, you uh, you follow Abby's story again. It's almost like a, a new character. You have upgrades just like you did with Ellie. You find survival manuals that give you skill tree options. You upgrade, you get supplements. You're basically starting all over but with a new set of weapons. Abby is much stronger than Ellie. She can actually choke people out and kill them silently. Ellie had to stab them in the neck with a knife. So, um, yeah. That's basically what happens there. You get to day three. Um, and probably in day two, you are captured by the Seraphites. And it is a cutscene that came out a few years ago. And it was very violent. A lot of people talked about how violent the cutscene was. Abby is drugged to like an open field. And it looks like they're going to hang her. Uh, they have a noose on a tree. They have a bucket. Uh, they talk about how she's, you know, obviously they're at war with the wolves. So she's a wolf. They obviously know that. They take her stuff. Uh, they're about to, um, there's a woman there that is about to, uh, um, uh, hang her. Uh, but two children come, uh, and another girl that is going to be hung that is, uh, is named, um, oh crap, I forgot her name. I had all this, uh, in my head. Yara. Her name is Yara. She, uh, she has a brother named Lev, and, uh, Yara is about to be, uh, tortured or something. They use a hammer. They break her arm. Uh, it's pretty horrific. They showed in graphic detail of them holding her down and breaking her arm. They call it clipping her wings. It's pretty bad. Right before she's about to die, an arrow goes through the head of one of the guys, uh, and and they start firing into the woods. Her brother, who uh, Lev, comes and saves her. He uh, he shoots a bunch of guys. 
Um, Abby is hanging there because they've kicked the bucket out from her, uh, but they cut her down because uh, Yara says, you know, she saved my life, cut her down. So Lev cuts her down. Now they're all together and they're trying to run away from the Seraphites. Uh, it's raining. It's like the best and worst of Seattle. It's raining and wet. It's probably the fall. There's torchlight. They're running from not only the infected, but the Seraphites. Uh, they get her to a safe place. Uh, but we realize that her arm is uh, broken horribly. They get a splint for it. Uh, Abby tries to set it. It doesn't really work. Um, I mean, it appears to work. She lets them be. She says, well, you know, basically we, we're leaving each other alone. I'll go one way, you go the other. Uh, she makes sure um, that they're safe, kind of. They're like in an old construction trailer. She goes back to the base. Um, or actually, she goes back to find... Uh, well, she goes to the base and meets with their military command of the wolves called Isaac. He basically says, hey, we're going to take everything. We're going to go up to the island where the Seraphites are, and we're going to wipe them out. That's all I'm doing. That's what I'm doing. And Abby kind of doesn't agree with it, you know, but she's been there for a while. She's been through some stuff. She seems to be kind of a commanding officer. People respect her and things like that. So she's like, I don't think you should do this. And Isaac says, it doesn't matter. This is what I'm doing. Um, so they decide to do it. But before that, what she decides to do is she wants to go talk to Owen because everybody says, hey, Owen hasn't come back yet. We don't know where he's at. Abby, knowing that he likes to go to the aquarium, like I mentioned earlier, says, I know where he's at. She tells one of their, their squad mates that, um, you know, we're going to go back. I'm going to go find Owen. We're going to go do it. Um, I'll find him. So um, she goes to find him at the aquarium. Of course he's there. This is where they have a massive cutscene where uh, she talks to Owen about you know, hey, you need to come back. We need to come back. Uh, and there's another wrinkle. He shot one of their squad mates. And she says, why'd you do that? And he tells a very, very uh, kind of uh, poignant story about what's going on. He says, there was a scar we were after. He was an old man. He was tired. He didn't look like he really wanted to die. We wanted to let him go. But the squad mate refused and uh, basically, I refused to kill this uh, Seraphite. We call him Scars. I, I refused to kill him. My squad mate was going to kill me. So I shot our squad mate. And he says, I'm just tired. I'm tired of it all. You know, this never ends. It just We just keep fighting. We just keep fighting, and it never stops. So I'm done. He's in a boat at the aquarium. It, it, it's got an inlet into the sound. He says, I'm fixing this boat up, and I'm going to Santa Barbara. Um, for me, this is kind of tragic. Because he was so close to getting somewhere. And what he says is, in the first game, there was a Fireflies, which was like a paramilitary thing that was in the middle of the country. Uh, and he says, I'm going to go join the Fireflies. And I was really sad at this because I thought, you know, you're so close. If you're so tired, you would just go to Santa Barbara and you wouldn't care about the Fireflies. You would just keep, you know what I mean? You would keep uh, running or walking or whatever. I mean, you'd go away, right? If you're really tired... You just leave. You wouldn't stand around. You wouldn't whatever. And for me, this is kind of a, not a real letdown. And I'm not going to say it's terrible storytelling. It's told really well. Um, I just feel really bad for his character because it's like he was almost, you know, ready to just say, "I'm done," which I thought would have been really poignant and really great. Uh, but he didn't do that. So I, I feel it was not a missed opportunity. Just something I felt sad and kind of it was kind of tragic, you know. And then. Um, Abby says, you know, listen, we can explain all this with our dead squad mate. You know, you were defending yourself. And he says, no, I'm tired. I'm done. They get in a fight. And she says something about, uh, you know, you should keep fighting for it. And he really insults her. He says, well, what should I do? Should I, should I go after the people that killed my family? And should I track them down and kill them? And she gets upset and she slaps him. They have a big fight. They end up, uh, you could tell they've been romantically linked together. Uh, they end up having sex. Uh, she wakes up in the boat with him next to him and has a dream of Yara and Lev being hung uh, for what they've done to the scars. And she gets up and decides, you know, at least I have to go after these kids. You know, if I'm going to leave with him, it, it's kind of understood that she kind of wants to go with Owen. But she's like, I, if I'm going to leave, you know, it's not going to be fair what's going to happen to these kids. I, I need to go after them. She has a little bit of internal monologue. It's really sparse. It's really well written. So then, so what you're doing, I think this is the end of day two. Now you're going after Lev and Yara. Um, you find them again in the construction trailer that they were at, but Yara's um, 
her arm is not healed and it's getting worse. It's swollen and red um, and she doesn't know what to do. But like I said, Owen and Mel are at the aquarium now and Mel is a gifted surgeon. So she says, I have to take you with my friends. They know how to help. So we go on a mission to take them to the aquarium. Uh, Mel says she's got her bone is broken. It's terrible. Uh, if we don't fix it, it'll turn gangrene. Uh, she uses a very technical medical term, like a compression something that I don't know what it is, but basically she's saying we have to take our arm off or the whole thing will turn gangrene, uh, but I need some supplies. So they're back at base. So then you being, uh, you know, Abby, the head of the wolves, or at least high in charge of the wolves, you go back to base. They figure out that you go AWOL after you come back. They try to arrest you. You get arrested uh, for going AWOL. And you, uh, one of your friends breaks you out, Nora, who um, helps you. And you say, listen, I need some medical supplies, but I'll see you back here. Nora says, you have to go back to, you have to go to this one spot in the, they're at a hospital. She says, you have to go to this one spot in the hospital. This is, uh, you know, she said, this is since the beginning of the infected. Uh, there's medical supplies down there, but we haven't swept it. It's going to be very dangerous. You're like, whatever it takes, I got to get these medical supplies. I got to go. So you go down there. This is a really tense scene, but um, it's very Resident Evil. You find an infected down there that is horrific. It's got like two or three heads. Uh, a part, another infected rips off of it like a like a weird tumor, which is really weird. Uh, and then you fight it, kill it, get the medical supplies. You go back. They perform the surgery on Yara, and then uh, you go to take her. You know, she wakes up, is thankful. Um, and then she says, I don't know what we're going to do now, but thank you. You know, uh, she only has a, she's missing half of one of her arms. Um, and then they find out, you know, Yara says we have to leave. You know, we're not welcome to scars. Obviously the wolves aren't going to welcome us. Um, so we need to go. And she go, tries to convince Lev to go with her, but Lev takes off because, uh, they're Chinese Americans and they have a, you know, a family obligation to take care of their mother. So Lev goes back to the island to find their mother, uh, which upsets, obviously, Yara. And Abby decides, you know, I'll go with you to help you get Lev, but let's get out of here when all this is done because I want to get out of here. I want to go to Santa Barbara. You want to take your mother. We all want to get this. Let's all get this over with. So let's go get your brother Lev, and then let's get out of here. So then uh, you do that. Uh, you go to the island. Uh, as the wolves are starting their attack, you're sneaking through the island, um, and you're uh, trying to find Lev. Uh, you finally reach Lev and find that him and their mother has gotten into a tussle, that uh, she hit her head on the table is what at least he says. He's in shock, so I believe him, and that she killed herself. So there's nothing here now, and they need to take off. So literally right now the wolves are setting the island on fire. You guys barely escape with your lives. You get in a boat and you go back uh, as you're okay. So as you're going back to the uh, you're trying to get through the village or whatever. Isaac finds you, um, the leader of the wolves. He knows that you're gonna wall as Abby and he puts a gun on you and Yara uh, and Lev is there and he shoots uh, Yara. Um, she's shot and then but she's not dead. Isaac tries to give you this big speech because he's going to shoot Abby. And Abby just looks at Lev and says, don't worry, you're my people. Um, and then uh, Isaac gets shot. Uh, Yara was on the ground, grabbed a pistol and shot him. Uh, everybody runs. You get out with Lev. The, island's, the island is literally burning around you. Um, and you get to, uh, that's pretty much, you're trying to go back to the aquarium so you can meet up with Owen and find like, hey, we gotta get in the boat, we gotta get everything, everything's burning. Uh, you do that, you get to the aquarium and you find the aftermath of what you played as Ellie, that uh, they have a dog named Alice who's dead that you killed as Ellie, and that Mel and um, Owen are dead. So then you go on another revenge thing and you track them because they left, uh, um, because Ellie left a map there because she ran off in a hurry. Um, but, uh, so you guys track them to the theater because they wrote down their home base. Uh, which seems weird, but you track them to the theater. Uh, you have a massive, it goes back to the cutscene where you've killed Jesse as Abby. Uh, you have, um, you've uh, hurt Tommy, and now you're kind of out for blood. So that's what, kind of what you're doing. And you play the cutscene as Abby, and you're trying to track down Ellie, 
uh, kind of in a boss battle where you have to sneak around and try to hit her from behind and weaken her. Basically, the whole thing ends with you breaking Ellie's arm, you playing as Abby, and leaving her on the ground. Dina comes in to try to save Ellie and tries to stab you. You obviously are much bigger and a better warrior than Dina. You take the knife from Dina and put the knife on her throat. And Ellie says, please don't do it. She's pregnant. And Abby says, good. And right before she's about to do it, Lev is there with her and he says, he says, Abby, what are you doing? Stop. And so Abby stops, looks at everybody and says, I don't ever want to see you guys again. Throws a knife down and leaves. Um, so yeah, then we play as Ellie. It cuts to uh, Wyoming. Maybe somewhere. It doesn't really say. I think it's Wyoming. It's not Jackson, though. They have their own farmhouse. <clears throat> it's been at least a year because now the baby that Dina had, she was probably a few weeks pregnant. Now she's given birth to JJ, who's the most adorable baby I've ever seen in a game. Um, Ellie walks around the farmhouse with them, uh, sings him a, a potato song, which is really adorable. Uh, it's not really spoilers, but if you go online and just look that up, if you probably type potato song, uh, last was part two. Uh, you basically get to sit in a tractor and watch the sunset as you sing uh, this three-month-old uh, the potato song, which is incredibly adorable. So you're at the farm. It's very picturesque. You and Dean are living together, but Tommy comes and Tommy says, "Listen, he's still beaten up from what happened." He says, uh, "My wife and I have broken up, uh, but I know where Abby is, and I want to go after her." And you and him kind of get in a fight. Uh, at least Dina does. Uh, Ellie is very quiet, but uh, Dina goes after him and says, what are you doing? You know, we're done. We're done with all this. We don't want to go, you know, we don't want to start all this back up again. We're happy. And Tom said, it doesn't matter. Ellie made a promise and said we would do whatever it takes to go after Abby. Uh, I want to go after Abby. So, um, yeah, so um, it's kind of like maybe that night uh, Ellie wakes up and decides to go after Abby. Uh, and kind of packs and it's a very touching cut, cut, cut scene where Dina says you know I don't want you to go let's go back to bed let's talk about this in the morning just come back to bed and uh, Ellie says no I'm going and Dina says if you go then I won't be here when you come back I'm taking JJ which is the name of the baby he's adorable uh, she says I'm taking JJ and we're, we're going we're leaving probably to Wyoming I don't know I don't remember if she says that but uh, that's what she says uh, Ellie leaves so then we cut back to being Abby. Abby is in Santa Barbara. She's looking for the Fireflies, which is a military faction, uh, and they're, they're kind of neutral. So she's in Santa Barbara, California. Her and Lev are together. It's obviously been some time. Lev's grown a little bit of hair because he shaved his head. That's a long story that I don't really want to get into in the review. Uh, he shaves his head. They're searching houses, and they run into a faction called the Rattlesnakes uh, that... Um, kind of ambush them they tie her up they tie love up and um yeah that's kind of where that ends because she finds a radio abby finds a radio finds out where the fireflyer fireflies are going or are tries to you know meet up with them but again they get ambushed these rattlesnakes take them away then you cut back to ellie she is on the shores of santa barbara she has found a boat that abby and lev have used she's basically following in their trail you follow them back to a camp called the rattlesnake camp uh well i don't know if it's called the rattlesnake camp but you can tell that the rattlesnakes use slave labor they've been locking people in cages uh they purposely put infected on chains to use them to taunt people uh which is pretty amazing um and they're using slave labor you see people get brought into the the uh, camp and then get put in cages well it's implied they're in cages but you see them in chains going to camp you take everybody out in the rattlesnake faction uh, and this has obviously been a couple months you've been tracking Abby. Uh, you take everybody out in the compound. You go to the bottom of the compound. You beat up one guard. Uh, and then you let the prisoners go. Uh, you say, wait, before I let any of you go, like, all right, I'm looking for Abby. And they say Abby is down at the beach. She's, uh, you know, she's on one of the, the pillars. And you're like, what's that? And they're like, you can't miss it. It's on the beach. You go down there and you see Abby has been crucified with other people that have, uh, you know, screwed up, because uh, the guy says that before you go down the beach. He said she tried to escape. She's down there. So what happens is you go down there and see that she's hanging from like an old piece of dock that is basically just a big spire going up in the air. Lev is also hanging there. You cut her down. She cuts Lev down. She doesn't say anything to you except boats are at the shore. Let's go. They're down at the beach. 
Then you go farther down the beach, you follow her. She puts Lev in a boat and tries to make sure he's all right. You put your things in another boat, and then you come over to her and say, you can't walk away from this. You and I have to do this. And Abby says, I don't want to fight anymore. I'm tired of fighting. And she's it. And what happens is Abby is like laying in the water, just exhausted because it's she's obviously being hung, hung up there for a while. She's emaciated. They cut her hair. She has no real strength left. Uh, Ellie puts the knife that she's been carrying through the whole game on Lev's throat and said, "If you don't do it, I'll kill Lev." Basically implies that if you don't do it, she doesn't say it. She just holds the knife on Lev's throat. They have a big fight because Abby says, "Fine, if that's how it's going to be, we're going to fight." They have kind of a big feudal fight. They're both weak. It's it's a, you know, you got to hit whatever L1 to dodge. You got to hit square. There's a lot of, a couple quick time events. Um, in the tussle, you, uh, as Abby, uh, you're controlling Ellie, but Abby actually bites off your two fingers in your left hand, which is horrific. Um, and at the moment, you still, Ellie has her in the water and is about to drown Abby. Uh, Ellie sees a scene of Joel in the water, uh, not, I'm sorry, she sees, while Abby is in the water, she sees Joel playing the guitar. She stops and starts crying and just lets Abby go moments before Abby was about to be dead from drowning. And she says, just go, just go. So Abby takes Lev, looks back one more time, gets in the boat and takes off. Uh, then it cuts to you as Ellie back at the farm in Wyoming trying to find Dina. You don't find her. She's obviously not there, but she left all of your things in a room upstairs. So that says a lot about a relationship when someone is willing to leave your things in the room where you thought, oh, this is all of our stuff. No, no, this is your stuff. So at least she didn't leave them out in the yard. So that's at least good. But um, so yeah, so you go there. Throughout the game, you've been playing the guitar, like actually with the touchpad on the controller, and you've been picking different notes to start a sequence of you singing a song. Uh, they sing Future Days by Pearl Jam. I would say look it up. It's good. She plays a Take On Me, um, which is pretty amazing. So what happens is you try to play guitar again, but obviously you're missing two fingers on your left hand. That is terrible. Your song does not sound good. You set the guitar down, and then it shows you kind of going off into the sunset, uh, off into the farmland, like away from the farm. I don't really know where she's going. She's probably going to find Dina to see if they can patch things up and, uh, you know, if they can bring things together, and that is the end of the game. It is a 30-hour game. Um, if it was tiring listening to some of that description, um, there was parts of the game, I think, that could have been cut. Uh, I think the flashback was effective to show Abby's kind of journey through what she was doing, but, um, man, sometimes some of those days, you know, when you start upgrading a new character's kind of upgrade tree, um, you know, sometimes it gets crazy. And I just thought to myself, we're doing this all over again? Like, this is insane, you know? Like, I can't believe that we're, um, you know, that this is happening. So it was, uh, it was sometimes needless, I think, uh, that that was going on, um, some of that could have been trimmed. And uh, I got to say the, I mean, this is obviously my impression of what's going on. And obviously this podcast has to do with grief. So I'm going to talk to that specifically uh, with the, with the uh, you know, with the, um, with the game and aspect. I understand that Ellie is grief stricken. And the very last shot of the game is a flashback between her and Joel where she confronts him and says, I should have died in that hospital basically at the end of the first game. And she said, now I thought, you know, I thought I had purpose in my life because of that, and now I don't have any purpose, and I don't know what to do anymore with my life. I feel, you know, rudderless kind of in a way, which if you think, if you find out that you are the cure for a zombie plague and uh, somebody allows you to live instead of you dying to maybe sacrifice yourself, I could see where you would get that feeling. She tells Joel, I can't forgive you for what you did, but I at least want to try to forgive you, you know? And Joel cries, and he says, I would like that. Because he tells her, you know, if I had to do the same thing over again, I would make the same decision. And then that's when Ellie says, I can't forgive you for what you did, but I at least want to try to forgive you. And Joel cries and says, that would be good. He says that he'll teach her guitar. They were going to um, at least try to, you know, reconcile, you know, reconciliation, have some kind of reconciliation. Which I think is really important. And I think that's why they show the scene where um, when they're... And I think that's maybe what, um, you know, what they're trying to show is the fact that it, it wasn't that she was going after 
um, it it was a revenge tale, right? But it wasn't. It, she wasn't going after Abby because of maybe what Abby did to Joel, which was horrific, and they showed in the game. I mean, she beat her to death with a golf club. Abby beat Joel to death with a golf club, which is horrific. Um, but what I think it was, it was the idea that like, hey, I don't know. You you took the possibility of a good relationship away from me. You know, uh, like she said to Joel at the end of the first game, hey, everybody I know that I've loved has died. And you taking me to this hospital and them, because she knew she was going uh, to the hospital in the first game, you know, something. She thought they were going to run tests on her. She didn't know the extent of it. And that's when Joel finds out the extent of what they're going to do to her at the hospital. That's when he decides, I can't lose another daughter, basically, because Ellie's basically a daughter figure. And I think it wasn't so much a revenge of just getting the person that killed Joel. It was the idea that it was, uh, you know, the relationship that she could have had with Joel. It was that idea of snuffing out a possibility of something promising, um, which ultimately I think is a different read than I've seen online. And I definitely had to think about it for a long time because in my own life, I think I've talked about this in podcasts, um, you know, my mom passed away. Um, and, uh, we didn't have the best relationship, but towards the end when she was sick, uh, you know, she thanked me for helping her around the house and helping her with paperwork and said, I don't think I can do this without you. And I think we were trying to have a better relationship, you know? So from a perspective, obviously my mom wasn't beaten to death by somebody. Uh, it wasn't a revenge deal. My mom wasn't killed by a baseball or a, a golf club, but I understand from Ellie's perspective, of being so filled with rage that someone has basically taken the possibility of a positive relationship out of your life, why she would go on this journey, right? Um, Which, if you look back at the game, the fact that Abby is in a different place and has already had, um, you know, she's already had revenge. She killed Joel, who killed her father, and let them walk. So her obligation is done. You know, you did this bad thing to my, terrible thing to my father. You've killed my father. I've I've paid that back in kind. And Ellie is very aware that Joel is not a good person, you know, up until this point. And even, you know, before he did what he did in the first game, she knows he's a bad person. So, uh, you know, but Abby understands all that. And, you know, I think rightfully so. She says, we're done here. I'm all done. We're done I got my revenge. I did what I came to do. We're leaving these two people alive, which if you think about in the apocalypse may not have been the best decision, but she still does that because she says to herself, my act is complete. You know, the relationship with her dad, the the few flashbacks, the one flashback they have with her and her father, they have a great relationship. She knows where the relationship stands. So she lets everything go, but Ellie doesn't have that. So her ideal is like, you, you've taken this one hope for positivity because she had just met Dina. They had just started to fall in love um, she takes all that kind of in stride and it's like an affront kind of to her that somebody would take that from her. And I enjoyed that. And that's kind of like where I came to my philosophy in the game. It is an amazing game. I have one more observation, but I'll get into what I really enjoy about the game. I think that the combat is the most fluid combat that I've had in a Naughty Dog game up to date. Uh, it feels responsive. The fact that you can hide and go prone now, the fact that you can jump, there's environmental storytelling with ropes, which seems really stupid, but it was really good. It added a little bit of realism. Uh, some of the collectibles are actually interesting. When you read the letters from people, there's a letter from some bank robbers that decided to rob a bank on the day the infection hit and people were running around killing each other. That was really interesting. You find some playing cards. Uh, not really playing cards. They're like kind of like a Magic the Gathering slash X-Men kind of trading card. And you find those throughout the world. And those are animated really well. You can even flip the card over and read a description of the different uh, people you find. I didn't find all those. So I had to go online and look at a couple. I might go back. I heard once you beat the game, you can do like a chapter select. And they'll tell you how many collectibles you have. So I'm looking forward to doing that. I think all that was really good. I think it's the most beautiful, one of the most beautiful games I've ever seen. Again, I think Seattle is haunting. It's amazing what they did with the city, again, through erosion and just general disrepair since nobody's around to keep everything. Every car looks unique that is destroyed and burned out or just uh, rotting. You know, every building looks unique, even though the architecture is the same. I mean, they took the convention center in Seattle and changed it into something else. To me, that is amazing how they can do all that. You know, it's 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 a testament to the team there um, <coughs> that they were able to do all that and make it look that amazing. It's it's a it's 
it's remarkable in the game they've been able to do that. And I think the weapons feel responsive. They feel unique. It's got one of the most in-depth animations for a crafting bench that I've ever seen in my life. Uh, you see them take the gun apart if you upgrade it, put the gun back together. They clean it at the end, and the gun slowly but surely starts to look a little better. And when you do the last up upgrade, they clean the gun off. And if it's whether it's a pistol or a rifle or a shotgun, it looks amazing. And uh, that part is great. I mean, the attention to detail is amazing. The acting is probably some of the best acting I've ever seen in a game. I never finished Red Dead Redemption 2, but... You know, you can see the pain in people's eyes when they're trying to tell people this is what we should do or we should do X, Y, and Z or this is how I feel. I mean, this is, you know, this is like incredible acting, you know, and uh, I think it's a testament to what video games can be. And I think some, if not all developers, probably some, because not all developers want to make like a narrative game, but, you know, developers should definitely look at this for a way to kind of emulate storytelling in a game uh and i think it, it, it it's amazing you know so the things i didn't like was uh again i thought some of these sections with abby kind of drug on a little bit too long and i think um there's a part towards the end which i described in the kind of the recap is when uh, ellie goes to santa barbara to go after abby again i've heard some people online say well listen it's the apocalypse. You basically left people alive. That's a bad play. You want to make sure that Abby is never going to come after you again. You want to make sure it's done. And I understand that. And I'm not saying it's bad storytelling. It's told really well. But for me, uh, it rings hollow because it's like, you know, you've obviously lost a lot through Joel, your only father figure. And also Jesse was shot, um, you know. And you were friends with Jesse Lee's. Dina almost died. Uh, luckily, she was allowed to live so she could have her baby. Um, I think all those things, again, if you listen to podcasts, I'm coming at the game with a lot of baggage. Uh, I've lost uh, two children, and uh, my wife's also suffered a miscarriage. Um, so, uh, But the idea of having a year to be with someone that you love and and they have you guys have a baby... And to be able to, I mean, again, it kills me how adorable this baby JJ is in the game. Um, he coos and makes little baby noises, and you get to carry him on your arm and walk around the farm, and it's beautiful. The idea of you sitting there for a year kind of in this picturesque place in Wyoming with someone you love with a child, and there's a scene where you have a PTSD moment where you hear something loud and you think of Joel being beaten. There's a quick scene of you seeing like a flash of him being beaten, uh it's i don't know it's i guess again it is sad and tragic and i'm not saying the writing is bad it just to me seemed that there was absolutely no kind of self-reflection which again it's the story they're trying to tell it's told very well uh ashley johnson uh did the motion capture and the voice for ellie she does a superb job uh laura bailey did abby She's amazing. She's been in games like, um, I want to say Borderlands. She's also been in uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. Too many to name. Uh, Ashley Johnson was in The Last of Us 1. Uh, I think she's done voice work. I don't know if she's done any other motion capture. Anyway, all this is really amazing, but it's so tragic that, um, you know, you can't just look. Because Abby was the one who walked away uh, twice, basically. Uh, the first time she says, you know, after she killed Joel, she says, we're done here. Let's go. Let's pick up. The second time she lets you live, now she lets you and your pregnant girlfriend live, she says, I don't ever want to see you again. So in, in my mind, she's basically washing her hands saying, I'm done. I'm, I'm done with this. I don't want to do this anymore. This is all that I'm doing. I don't, I don't want to, um, you know, I don't, I don't want to go through this anymore. And uh, so she's let you go twice. Like she's walked away twice. And it, it's sad to me that there's not a moment of self-reflection where Ellie would say, you know what, whatever I had with Joel, uh, and, and this advice was told to me too after my mom passed away uh, through a friend of mine, I was telling someone that I was sad that you know I didn't see, obviously it's a regret, I didn't get to see where the re relationship w went with my mom. Just like Ellie in a way doesn't know where the relationship w was going to go with Joel. She doesn't know where that's going to, you know, it's in a good place. But like my friend said, you know, it was good enough that you tried to make it go in a good place. You, you at least attempted to make it go in a good direction. And I would say the same thing to Ellie, that um, you know I'm dealing with a different type of grief than Ellie is, though. She obviously saw the person she loved 
beaten to death in front of her. So that would definitely put her in a different mindset. Um, I mean, I saw my mom die, uh, which was terrible uh, in front of me, but it was much different. It was in a hospital. Ellie saw it in the bottom of, uh, I don't know, bottom of a lodge or just a big house. My thing is like in a year, because JJ's obviously about three months old and Dean was maybe a few weeks pregnant. She wasn't showing, maybe a month. Um, I think, what is it, like six to eight weeks women start kind of knowing... I don't want to be, I'm not a doctor, I don't want to be an expert, I don't want to say that, but I think it's been about a year. Meaning in a year, you've had a year to sit down, uh, have meals, talk to the person you love. I don't know how many therapists are out there, obviously in post-apocalyptic Wyoming, probably not a lot, but the idea to look to just talk with the person that you care about and say, you know, that was amazing, you know, uh, we're lucky. If you're religious, you know, thank God we made it through. If you're not, you're saying we're very lucky we made through what we did. Um, I can't believe that I have all this. We gave up so much, you know, uh, you know, Joel is dead. Uh, you, you know, your, your ex, the father of your baby is dead. Jesse's dead. You know, you guys, whatever you think of Jesse, he was your friend. There's no moment of self-reflection to say, oh, you know, that I, I'm lucky. I should be thankful that our, uh, my relationship with Joel got to a place where it was starting to go in a good direction and I should take care of JJ. There's none of that. Immediately, Ellie says, I'm going to go back out. Uh, not immediately. Like when Tommy brings up, like, we should go back after, you say, you know what? Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. I'm going to go after. Um, to me, that is sad. And I think what made the first game so powerful was that you 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 were in the game. You played as Ellie when Joel was sick uh, in the middle of the game in the winter. I'm, I'm Not winter. Yeah, it was a winter chapter. You played as Ellie. But Joel gets really sick and needs medicine. But you basically play the whole game, most like 80% of the game from Joel's perspective, even though I don't agree with his decision to uh, do that to Ellie, obviously uh, giving up a child the way I did, uh, it was terrible. But if somebody said, like when our kids died, uh, my wife and I decided if it is possible, we'd like to donate our children's remain to science if it's possible. Now, I don't know if that message made it to the right person. I don't know if they can do that. I didn't really get a description or an explanation on what happened. But <clears throat> I'll tell you this much. If my kid, they said, listen, this world's a horrific place. Uh, your child uh, has the, um, you know, has the possibility to save mankind. Uh, I would talk to my child and I would be okay with that happening. It sounds horrific but um you know is one life uh worth saving the world you know and it's only it was only a slim chance even in the first game so um part of me thought when ellie went off to find abby towards the end of the game that she was going to try to find the fireflies there's still hospitals out there there's still doctors i thought maybe she's gonna get to abby and say uh excuse me she's gonna get to abby and say i don't know what to do i made a mistake i know you don't want to see me again I want to turn myself into the fireflies because they were the first people that were going to do the surgery on her. You know, maybe she's the people that she's obviously seen what went down in Seattle with the fire, the uh, scars, the seraphites and the wolves, the WLF. She says, I don't, I'm not even going to, why would I go to those two people? I just know that the fireflies are somewhat good. So I thought she was going to do that. But as it went on and it was more of a revenge thing with Abby and it was the idea of her taking away that possibility of a relationship um, you know, by her leaving, she's giving that up. She's giving up Dina. She's giving up that beautiful farm. She's giving up that adorably animated baby. I, I don't know if that, I mean, obviously I don't think they could do a real baby, but they did an amazing job animating that baby. So, um, it, to me, it is very strange for her to just kind of chuck it all, say, yep, ride or die. I'm going to go get Abby. You know, um, that, that thing of her just sitting there saying the world is a messed up place. So she's not going to turn herself into the fireflies. So she's just going to say, the world's a messed up place. I have this uh, sliver of happiness. You know, maybe I should fight for and keep this sliver of happiness, you know? Again, again, I'm coming to this with a lot of baggage. Uh, there's a lot of uh, stuff, obviously, in my life. But, uh, you know, I don't think there's any real true objectivism. Uh, everybody has their own biases when they come into the game. Um they think about certain things. They've maybe experienced death or loss. And these are just the things I think when I'm watching the game of like, you know, Ellie could have fought harder for the sliver of happiness that she found in the game. She said, you know, when Tommy came to her 
Like she let Tommy down, right? You know, she made a promise. And even Dina says that. And Tommy says, she made me a promise. We were going to go after Abby. And Dina says, I don't give a fuck. And I think if Ellie could have said that, uh, it would have been even more powerful. I'm sorry, Tommy, that, you know, Joel died. But you guys said yourselves you weren't good people. But what can you do now to be a better person? You know, like, and I understand there would be no end of the game. There would be no, there'd be no uh, thing with her. There'd be no uh, no fingers bitten off. She wouldn't realize that she's lost everything. Even the thing with Joel where she used to play guitar with them and everything used to be great. You know, that's gone. She can't play guitar anymore. Her fingers are gone. So she's literally given up everything for what? Um, if there is a Last of Us Part 3, it would just be like a two-hour game for me where you just walk her to a Firefly facility and say, hey, I just want to turn myself in. Um, but again, I'm coming at the game with a lot of bias. Um, but I still think it is an incredibly powerful game. And no game has told a story like this um, through cutscenes and flashbacks and how things are paced. Nobody has done this in a game um, except maybe Rockstar with Red Dead Redemption. But I think because of the flashbacks, people's emotions, I think all that is so powerful. And, you know, I'm waiting to see. And and I think God of War was powerful. You know, I didn't talk about that on this uh, podcast because it came out before I started the podcast. But God of War was another powerful thing about a man going with his son. Uh, taking the ashes of their mother to a mountaintop to scatter his uh, wife's ashes and the mother's wife and mother's ashes and just what that is to be a father, which I think is an amazing story told um, and all that. And it, it's powerful. But but this is the same thing. It's a powerful story. Uh, it's very violent. It's well acted. It's superb. So even if I don't agree with, you know, the actions of the characters or anything like that, it doesn't mean that it isn't superb and that it is not like astounding and um i don't give things scores on the podcast because um i like this just talking to the mic for an hour and one minutes right now and just telling you how i feel about the game i will say this is a superb game if you have a possibility you know obviously if you're listeners hopefully you played the first and second one and you've come to me uh, after but if you haven't uh, please uh, play. Uh, narrative games are important. You know, when games started out, it was hard. It you know, it, it was started with Asteroids, and then it went to Pac-Man, to Mario jumping on things, and the controls are amazing. But this type of storytelling in the game is rare, and it should be uh, supported and applauded. And I think it was amazing that a studio was able to do this. Um, it took seven years for this game to come out. I think the last was part one came out in 2013 and this came out in 2020. So that's a seven, probably six and a half years, depending on anyway, it was seven years for this game to come out and you can almost see every minute of it, um, kind of in the game. Again, some of the length of the, the days I think could have been shorter. Uh, some of Abby's things I think could have been cut down and not that I think that Abby is a bad character. I just think the pacing of the game uh, you know, when they cut the game and you start playing as Abby, it's an amazing cliffhanger of them. You know, are you going to kill Ellie? What's going to happen? Are you going to have to choose? I don't know. And then it is, that's like at the 12 or 13 hour mark, maybe 14 hour mark. So the game's 30 hours. So that's half the game. So you play the rest of the game. Well, everything except for the last probably three hours is Abby. To me, that is a massive diversion uh, like a side quest and I and and parting was a little bit depressed uh, the first survival magazine I picked up and you get a new skill tree because that moves over in your skill bar and you see another lock symbol meaning there's going to be another unlock of a skill tree and there's part of me that was very sad because I thought oh here we go again like how much of this am I going to do how much of this is going to be like I don't even understand like this is this is kind of ridiculous and I think it was so intense you know you want kind of a rest in a way you know that that cliffhanger of them of abby holding a gun after she's just killed jesse and holding a you know shot tommy in the shoulder but it looked like his face long story short holding a gun on ellie and so intense you just want to get back to that moment which again is supreme amazing storytelling for them to say no no we're going to show you this and you're just going to want to get back to that which is great but in a way it distracts uh, from the other thing, if that makes sense. You know, you want to get back to this moment. You maybe want to have an hour like, okay, let's see where this got to or whatever. But then, you know, when it's five hours, six hours, ten hours, it's gets to the point where you're like, all right, man, well, we kind of need to get back to that because it's, it's, to me, it's taking away from that moment, you know, um, for me at least. Um, but again, all these minor nitpicks and that, that personal baggage that I bring to the game shouldn't detract the fact that Naughty Dog has made a superb 
superb game and uh you know everything that all the accolades have been getting uh, they deserve um they broke some sales records i heard they'd sold like four million copies in the first three days it was on sale and that's just them not even including digital sales from what they've reported so it's even more than that i bought it digitally my wife bought it digitally so that's two that they're not counting um and you know i really want to see where they go next uh the director said something about uh, he didn't know if they were going to do the last of us part three or if they're going to do on a new ip and i think it's um you know it's crazy to think that uh, you know they could do a Last of Us Part Three. There's also a TV show uh, that's in the works apparently by the same writer that wrote Chernobyl and HBO, which I haven't seen, but I heard is very good. Um, and I don't know. I'm just. It's definitely one of those things where the next game that Naughty Dog says, "Yeah, we're making this." It's like you're. I'm like, okay, I'm on board. Like, what day do I pre-order? You know, or what day do I buy it? I definitely want to be along for the ride because you've proven time and time again that they can tell a story like this that's complex. It has emotions. That is. Um, you know, great and uh, amazing, and the gameplay's good, and all that is great. It's like, you know, everything's a 10 out of 10 for me, you know, although I did have reservations, but again, that's my baggage coming to the story. And um, yeah, again, it's an amazing game. Uh, check it out. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed my incredibly long, I think it's like the longest episode I've ever had, just me ranting into a mic. I think I'm going to need some water or coffee after this, uh, and probably some dinner. So, um, you know, be safe out there, everybody. Again, I think that's where I'm going to wrap up. Uh, this will hit my website, www.gamewithgrief, on Monday at 7 a.m. Uh, go there, leave a comment below the video. I'll leave comments open. Uh, if you want to just send me an email, go to gwgpodfellows at gmail.com. Go there. Uh, let me know what you think of the show, uh, stuff like that. Also, um, you can like and subscribe on iTunes. It's the Gaming with Grief podcast with Joseph Carlson. It's got a black smoky background. It's a burnt match. I thought it looked pretty cool. Go there, like, subscribe, share, stuff like that. Uh, I'll try to be better about advertising stuff like this, especially since this is my longest episode yet. Um, I will, uh, yeah, I'll, we'll go from there. So, but anyway, be safe out there, guys. I know uh, COVID is still a thing. It's in the news. Be safe. Wear a mask. Follow your state's regulations and guidelines. Um, and if you're protesting, uh, be safe. Wear a mask. Um, if you're the police, be safe. Wear a mask. Everybody be safe. Wear a mask. You guys have a good uh, week. I will see you guys next week. And that's it. Bye. Thank you.